Are you guys all ready to go then? Yeah. I don't know. Is Paul ready to go? I have no idea. All right. Yeah, I'm ready to go. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm, I'm I'm ready. I'm willing. I'm able. You know, all those things. All right. Well, let's uh, let's get to it then. Uh, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and non-binary peoples to Dance Robot Dance, our 156th episode. I am Tim. I'm going to be hosting this week as we sort of go back into a retro gaming world. With me, I've got Mark from Milton, Ontario. Happy three-year anniversary of podcast, this is. everybody. Because this would be the yeah. third year. Yeah. I was looking at the math. But 52 times 3 is 156. Yeah. And we've been weekly somehow <laughs> for all three years. I yep, don't know. Yeah. I've, I've missed a couple. Uh, one of us has a fucking problem. <laughs> uh, one of us has a problem, I think is what it is. So <laughs> I don't know. But uh, three years, yeah. It's, uh, didn't think we'd last this long. Yeah, but we did. So for those did, of you yeah. that have uh, listened from the start, thank you. We're sorry. There, yeah, there was some there was some rough shit back there, yeah. but <laughs> we're we're glad that you stuck with us until we sort of found what I think is a pretty good groove over these three years. Yes, uh, and things have changed a little bit. You know, our our lineup at the start was somewhat different than it is now. With us now, we have uh, our new regular co-host uh, Paul from Seoul, South Korea. Hello, everybody. Glad to be here. Yeah. Glad to have you. So let's get right into it because this week there is a lot of news to cover uh, because we are in the midst of San Diego Comic-Con news and trailer craziness and everything. Um, But first off, I want to go back to a couple of news items that somehow sort of flew under our radar, which I think are big and worth discussing. The first one being we have talked about the Walking Dead comic a few times on the podcast before. And out of nowhere, a couple of weeks ago, it just ended. It was issue 193, where they had actually solicited further issues. Ended cover art, which is like, somebody took the time to draw cover art. So good for them. I hope they got paid. Yeah, so with like a week's notice or something like that, issue 193 suddenly became the last issue. And Robert Kirkman said, like, we're ending it. This, you know, we're happy with, you know, what we've done with it, you know, they just, I guess, sort of reached their natural endpoint for it or where they were happy to finish it off. And so there is no more Walking Dead comics now. Yeah, which is like crazy because that was what a staple of my reading habit was Walking Dead for the last, well, however long it's been running. I've, I've always read I mean, fi- 15 years. I think the first issue, yeah. more than that, the first issue was like 2003, I think, or something like that. So yeah, 15 plus years, like, you know, pretty, as far as I know, it never really like slipped behind. Uh, schedule in terms of shipping like a lot of books do so he let uh he always let vincible fall off before he let walking dead fall off and i think walking dead also being black and white through its run taking the coloring step out that makes it a lot easier to get a book a month out so i I think that kind of helps but uh no it's like i'm i mean it's weird to say like i'm sad to see it go because i do like the book a lot but uh if it reached his conclusion and he's happy with it like that's his book man he wrote every single word in there so that's awesome. Yeah, exactly. How often do you get that? You get a creator that gets to spend 15 plus years on the same project yeah. and really, you know, see see your own vision all the way to fruition kind of thing. Especially, yeah, exactly. Like being able to like, that's his idea and like, that's his thing. And I always turned it into a franchise that rivals almost anything else in comics. So yeah, yeah. like that's pretty cool for somebody like that book came out post 2000. Mm-hmm. You know, I never would have thought that's pretty cool. These actual endings need to be celebrated more often instead of like people whining that things that are good should go on forever. Like, no, yeah, like yeah. some things need to end. Like, that's yeah, let's follow a British model sometimes here, folks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a little British brevity always kind of, yeah, does the soul good. Although, you know, 
we say that as the guys who do two-hour podcasts on a regular basis. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. So the, one of the other things in this one is uh, kind of more maybe to my interest than anybody else's, but Amazon apparently has a Lord of the Rings massively multiplayer online game in development, uh, oh, which made a lot of yeah, which which kind of made a lot of people go like, uh, because Lord of the Rings Online is still a thing that is actively updated and has a pretty large player base. So everybody's kind of being like, why, why do you need that as well? I mean, it's not the most up-to-date game graphically, although they have made... You just answered your own question, yeah. Tim. It's 2019. They've, they've made improvements graphically over the years, but it's nowhere near you know what you're going to get of a brand new 2019 or 2020 or whenever the fuck this comes out game. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, so... That's the MMO cycle, though. Most of those franchises kind of do this. Like, I think the only one is, is WoW still active? I don't know. Yeah. Like, this is I not my think thing. so, yeah. 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 So, like, WoW, I mean, I guess it's like the long runner. And I know they've updated the graphics, but it still looks like kind of like it did back in, I guess, like, when the fuck was that? When did that start in the 2000s? Yeah. I don't WoW know. was, yeah, like early 2000s. And I think, yeah. uh, I think Lord of the Rings Online is at least 10 years old now. Yeah. I think it came out like late late 2000s but like there's iterations of that kind of stuff and like what this is the second final fantasy online world yeah final like fantasy done, 14 right? like, is the second one because 11 was the first yeah one, that was the one i tried yeah that's right yeah 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 so it's normal lord of the rings online was 2007 so it's been out oh, for, shit yeah for 12 years, 12 years. Now. like yeah. i said they, yeah. and, and as they go into like new areas they do improve the graphics and textures and stuff like that but there's only so much you can do when it's still all based ultimately it's all an old engine you know, yeah, old so. engine yeah so so but i mean it'll be interesting to see if they take sort of a different bend like lord of the rings online is very lore heavy and very story heavy and yeah like some of the fighting mechanics and stuff like that are pretty dated like they're they're warcraft like world of warcraft sort of style mm. uh you know point and click a lot of the time kind of battle mechanics so i think there is room for something that is maybe more action related and less like story kind of driven so or lore driven so honestly you can do kind of do both with like final fantasy 14 yeah. is actually going to be my geek cred this week because i've gotten back into it but like it, that is oh, this nice. super lore heavy game that actually like all the expansions are kind of revisiting old final fantasy games like you get to fight like kefka from final fantasy 6 as a boss in final fantasy 14 it's super fun and there's a lot of room for story development and stuff while still having these really great instance raids and boss fights so i could see like if they're gonna use the final fantasy 14 model which has been really successful i'd say it could be really fun yeah i mean i'll we'll probably end up taking a look at it since we are very uh lord of the rings heavy household the other uh, sort of piece of somewhat stale news that uh we kind of overlooked was we talked just talked about something being adapted into a game now it's a game being adapted into a series cuphead which we've talked about on the podcast a few times is getting a full-on netflix animated series uh, which i think is really cool because it's obviously really influenced by that like old school disney kind of style animation so it'll be interesting to see how that translates to an animated series rather than a game i did see like stories about that uh, i'm curious i i don't know how they're going to animate it and all that kind of stuff so i need to go like do some reading i just saw the announcement so i don't have like a million things to say yeah, yeah. but like it sounds like an interesting like like throwback kind of idea because that game was fun hard as fuck but like fun yeah fair enough and like i just recently watched a video about old style animation like influential stuff from the 1930s 1940s like the tex avery kind of stuff i think that those kinds of animations are 
still important and really cool looking, like stuff like Red Hot Riding Hood or uh, Queen of Spring, something like that. The, the original oh, Disney yeah. one. Yeah, the Silly yeah, Symphonies that, that, ones kind of thing. Oh, yeah, okay, Silly yeah. Symphonies. Yeah, exactly. So I think that like if we could have a series in that style of animation, I, I think that's pretty cool. Especially like I like the backstory about Cuphead about like, you know, dealing with the devil and stuff like that. It's very it's a very 30s, 40s concept. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit sort of dark and yeah. Okay. Yeah, but still irreverent. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, which is the tone of the game too. So like that'll it'll be fun to watch, I'm sure. So it had a like a neat tone to it. Yeah. So I'm curious yeah. about the project. Let's see. So sort of before San Diego Comic-Con started, the Emmy Award nominations got announced and Game of Thrones is all fucking over it. Uh, They had a record breaking 32 nominations across the board, including for uh, Outstanding Drama Series. What else? Outstanding Drama Series. Kit Harington and Amelia Clark were both nominated. Gwendolyn Christie, who had to fucking put herself up for the nomination because HBO didn't wouldn't pay like the $200 nomination fee. So Gwendolyn Christie oh just God. put up, put up the money herself and then got the fucking nomination. Cause she's awesome. Of course she did. <laughs> Man, that Fuck. fucking looks that like that's a shitty look on WV too, you know, or on whatever. HBO. There's four oh different supporting actress nods. So Gwendolyn Christie, Maisie Williams, Sophie Turner, and Lena Headey all got uh, supporting actress nominations. So it's a fight. It's fight for the yeah. Game of Thrones. And get that last nomination yeah. <laughs> in or whatever. That and on the uh, supporting actor side, uh, Peter Dinklage, Alfie Allen, and uh, Nikolai Coster Waldau all got nominated in the supporting act category. I'm all for the actors getting their due because even with what they were working with, they did a really, really great job. But like the episode that they decided to put up for the writing Emmy that got nominated was the final episode which was such dog shit i'm just so yeah i'm so mad i thought i saw on reddit that the one that got oh for writing for was writing, the last yeah. okay sorry i thought the, the one that got put up for best episode was the battle like yeah, the yeah. battle winterfell or whatever sense. like the long night yeah and i was like that's interesting because i thought some of the other ones yeah. were a little bit better like overall pieces because that one kind of it's just action yeah. and i'm like all right whatever that's the your best like episode overall <laughs> fine whatever oh, yeah. you guys do you the only thing that matters to me is the fact that what's his name finally got a nomination yeah, for Better Call Saul. Bob Odenkirk, like our boy Bob yeah. Odenkirk, finally got a nomination. So like, yep. I don't care about anything else as long as Saul's getting those nods. RuPaul's Drag Race nice. got fourteen nominations. I'm happy nice. about that. Best, yeah. best planned. Uh, what is it? Unstaged reality TV show nomination. Nice. Give me all my drag queens. All yeah. right. <laughs> that's funny that that's a category. Well, Unstaged TV, reality yeah. TV shows. <laughs> Uh, uh, it's un- unscripted it makes sense but is, like I it's think. still yeah. sad but yeah some of the other stuff that we talk about on the podcast regularly that got nods were better call Saul for outstanding drama veep who they're gonna give that to game of thrones and it should totally <laughs> better call Saul will have his chance like, i mean it's it's whatever. game of thrones last chance so yeah i think is this Saul's last year Cause i don't i don't know no 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 they've no there's another season coming for sure I hope. Well, I know there's another season, but I mean, like after that, like are we? Are, I thought four oh. was kind of the end. Like that was what I was hearing. Uh, I nobody quote me on that. Do not make me be the guy who started that rumor. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I, I haven't seen that. anything about Better Call Saul being done. You know, and the okay, f- ending announced or anything yet. Like I already have to wait till 2020 for the next year. Losing Saul at this point might just crush <laughs> me. Like that might be the end. Deadwood movie for a TV movie, as well as Black Mirror Bandersnatch, which is interesting because I don't know if you can actually qualify that as a you know, TV movie or whatever, but and I really hope those Deadwood guys finally get their like just due after never getting nominated even during the original run and don't get fucked over by this stupid Bandersnatch thing. Cause like great you made a telltale game and put it in your app, but like those guys did shit and like acted. 
So, yeah, fine. Anyway. And then a lot of stuff for shit that we don't really talk about, like Ozark and This Is Us and Pose and... Pose, so good. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah. So it's always nice to see when nerdy shit is getting recognized critically. What else did I have? So again, this is also sort of this news came out a couple days ahead of uh, San Diego Comic-Con, but they officially announced that Taika Waititi is going to be doing Thor 4, which I have mixed emotions about, but I know my co-hosts are happy about. Yeah! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Thor in space and (laughs) directed by Taika. I am super happy about this. I can't wait. Bill. Yes. <laughs> so I just watched, I just finished what we do in shadows, the TV show. I am a hundred percent into like Taika shit right now. So like, just give me the new Thor <laughs> and like Tim's sour grapes will be just fucking gravy <laughs> on top of the delicious meal. I did not I hate Ragnarok. I just hope that there's a better balance struck that a fucking single dramatic <sighs> moment may be able to land without Korg shitting all over it. Or All I hear is sour grapes. You know, like just sour grapes. <laughs> so okay. All right. We already know you have no taste because you hated Day of the Tentacles. So. That's true. That is true. So there is that. But yeah, and I'm also a massive Marvel shell. So there's the other thing that this means is that Akira, which he was supposed to be working on as well, the live action Akira is going to be delayed because this is going to be sort of the next big project that Taiko Atiti is going to be working on. So, oh, boo hoo! The the Akira nobody asked for, nobody wants to (laughs) be delayed. What a fucking tragedy! God damn it! (laughs) Hopefully, Taiko will get uh, distracted by something else uh, after or and just move on to something new. I am happy that, it, of all people, Taika is the one directing that Akira movie, but fuck off with that fucking Akira movie. Just cancel it. <laughs> just right. get rid of it. <laughs> I mean, like the Gambit movie that thankfully's never happened. Oh, yes. thank no. God. Uh, well, in, in things that also nobody fucking asked for, but we're apparently getting anyways, <laughs> we should start getting trailers this week uh, sort of surrounding San Diego Comic-Con, and the most terrifying one is the one that nobody thought... <laughs> would be terrifying well it would be as terrifying as it is oh you were talking yeah no. the it one right <laughs> the great thing no. is is that io9 had the same headline for both so it had like the it part two trailer will haunt your nightmares tonight and then the for this article it was also the first cats trailer will haunt your nightmares tonight <laughs> yeah i saw that it was good because was like, holy that's good that's good at a totally sweet fucking jesus this thing is a nightmare oh, yeah. fuel monstrosity of terrible uncanny valley cgi and faces that are completely like unstuck from bodies and mouths that move independently of faces and oh god it's so bad (laughs) oh my god oh okay so this is directed by tom hooper who did the recent les miserables remake not even recent at this point that one's like 2012 like there's been another version since then since then, yeah. yeah. But, like, the one that Anne Hathaway won the Oscar yeah. for. So, it's still got that weird, super realistic, gritty tone to it while still having this, like, fucking nightmare, like, face app, face tune <laughs> thing going on top of it. And you've got, like, Jennifer Hudson's super pained oh, delivery geez. of memories in the background. And I love Jennifer Hudson, don't get me wrong, but holy shit, she sounds like she's, like having a fucking aneurysm while she's singing that and i like wait would you say strangling a cat maybe <laughs> oh that's i'm sorry i I'm hate sorry. it <laughs> you, you fucking teed me up if i had to take that shot oh, like, you just like God. you threw it in the air like just shoot <laughs> it out just shoot right. it out of the sky mark yeah. speaking of what we do on sorry, the shadows yeah. the best meme that i've seen based on that cat's trailer so far is that picture or that uh, image of 
uh, the cat with Jermaine Clement's face on it from the What We Do in the Shadows <laughs> movie with like the subtitle, like Cats 2019 to Tom Hooper. Yeah. <laughs> I, oh, the other God. one I saw was um, Hermione when she got half <laughs> by the Polyjuice Potion. <laughs> yep. Actually, that was one I thought about. I remember thinking, I think the effect of Hermione being half turned into a cat in that Harry Potter movie is still better than this, and that was fucking ten <laughs> oh my years. God, ago. it's like so fucking bad, and it's just like yeah, like I can't even imagine the furries are happy about this. You know, so, like, it's just so. Some, you know what's even scarier? Sorry, I just had a total nerd thought. They did the Cassians, like the Cassians or whatever the fuck they're called, the cat people in Star Trek in the reboots, and they looked fine. Why did you just get the models? Like, there's also AI. people saying like the cat people they did on Tenet era Doctor Who were what, done way better than this as well. So this is all done practically, yeah. right? Those are very, yeah, they're very yeah. similar to the Star Trek ones too. Yeah, but yeah, it's like it's, I don't know if I'm gonna like end up like hate watching this or something. No, none of us are gonna know. fucking no. See this. We're doing no, a commentary. I, I no, we're not gonna. No, we'll see it. We'll watch it together. Uh, we'll watch it together. <laughs> like commentary. <laughs> Be almost as fun as doing the Nemesis one that we did a couple weeks ago. Oh, I'm gonna have to be so drunk for that. Yeah, man. But that's the point. Anyways, it... by the time this thing comes out and gets on home video, we'll all be back <laughs> in Canada, right? Yeah, so, that's like, true. So who cares? Also, I just want to say, like, somebody worked real hard on this movie, I'm sure, but it also looks like the VFX <laughs> team just fucking walked away. Yeah. Or they just and, they like, just really under budgeted it or some shit. I don't know. I would not be if Over. I was What's the guy's name? Tom, Tom Hooper. Tom Hooper? That's a terrible name. <laughs> I'd be Alan Smithing that if I were him. I don't know if like, I'd be taking credit for that. You know, like when I actually saw it, because I waited for the whole thing. I was like, who's directing this fucking monstrosity? Because I couldn't figure it out just from like watching it. So I'm like, I'm, because I don't watch this musical stuff. And I'm waiting and I'm waiting. And it finally came up at the end. And I'm like, oh, I don't even know who that is. So that's not a good sign at all. The only thing of, of much note he's done besides uh, the Les Mis movie is uh, he did that John Adams miniseries from about 10 years ago, which got like a bunch of like Emmy nods and shit like that. that and he did the King's Speech. Oh, yeah, yeah. Did he do that? See, yeah, that was, that was I mean, him. That was fine. I like. I didn't not, hate that movie. Not a musical about fucking cats that has no plot. <laughs> yeah, like, no, that's true. I don't know why they're making this movie because cats has no it shouldn't be a movie it's a fucking like episodic musical that it makes like barely holds together yeah it's it's a series of vignettes like basically. yeah and honestly like they, they've already done a really good job of like parodying it and but paying homage to it in crazy ex-girlfriend in the one episode they did about like crazy ex-girlfriend took did homages to a whole bunch of different musicals as it, through its run and they did a really good job of parodying cats like it's really fucking funny because all of it is about like her Every vignette is a cat singing basically about her vagina, so it's, really, it's just it's just really good. <laughs> that show is so fucking good. Anyway, um, Joe, just All go right. watch that. I can't fucking talk about yeah. that anymore. Let's just move on. Can we, can we talk about, like, let's talk about Jay and Silent Bob or something else? Like, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yes, there was also the Jay and Silent Bob reboot trailer, which... Looks like a fucking blast. Yeah. Totally pandering, but I don't care. Hey, man, Affleck's like, back. What the fuck is happening to yeah. the world? Affleck is back in a fucking Kevin Smith movie. Never and he was the bomb in Phantoms. Yes, Ooh. always the bomb in Phantoms. I want to watch that movie again. <laughs> I should watch that movie again. <laughs> that movie was really good. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just full of, like, cameos fucking left and right. Like, it's basically 
Kevin Smith like getting the View Askew band back together yeah. essentially and and I'm I'm always going to be here for that. It's totally I think he just wanted to do summer camp and I feel like he got the chance to do summer camp and that's basically what we're going to get to watch on screen yeah. whenever it comes out. It looks I mean it looks totally just... nonsensical and insane and just like a bunch of random faces popping up at you. I mean that's what the trailer looked like anyway. But yeah. hey man, I'm going to be there opening night cuz yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> and he he needed an excuse to uh, write uh, Muse a big paycheck to keep him off the fucking drugs. Oh, yeah, he's Muse. Muse is doing much better. He's very clean now. Like he's married with a kid. But uh, yeah, he had, he had a rough patch, and he started definitely starting to like it show it visually. Yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> poor poor Jay. Poor how many Jay. of his how many of his own teeth do you think he still has? I don't think any of those are his natural teeth anymore. <sighs> I think those are de- I think those are dentures. Oh boy. Yeah. yeah it's, that was that was a little bit like heartbreaking for me it was just kind of like oh poor, yeah. poor jay like that he, he yeah life has not been kind to him but you know well yeah. well and now it has kind of has not been kind to him yeah. it kind of has <laughs> like he's his existence yeah. is pretty blessed he did do a lot of that to him yeah. so he admits to like he did if he was if he was anybody else he yeah. would be dead oh yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> but he had he had a very good friend to drag yeah. him out of it yeah so. yeah kev kev did a lot to help him out so yeah, yeah. A lot of podcasts you guys can listen to if you're really that curious about it. Because <laughs> I've listened to a lot of them. Let's see what other trailers did we get? We did get the uh, the It Chapter Two uh, trailer, which uh, look looks mm-hmm. good. Yeah, looks good. I'm definitely looking forward to that. I don't know if I'm as up its ass. Like I've seen a lot of people like reposting that and being like, "Oh my god, this looks terrifying!" And I'm like, eh. okay, "Like, yeah, it's scary, but it's Stephen King scary, not yeah. like you know, like fucking." I don't know. I don't want to say hereditary, but that's like what jumps into my head or like, you know, something, uh, you know, that's a little more psychological or like whatever. Yeah. Have you guys seen uh, Midsummer so. yet? Whoa. No. Or yeah, it's, it's no like us or get out yeah. or some shit. Yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. 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 No, I'm like, I'm looking forward to seeing it. The trailer looked yeah. great. That everybody, like, I'm super happy. Even like when they were doing the jump cuts back and forth between the child to the adult actors, I was mm-hmm. like, oh man, they did a really good job yeah. here. Except for McAvoy. Is the only yeah. one. <laughs> like, he doesn't look. They don't, yeah, look I don't like, care. Yeah. I don't care. I like McAvoy yeah. enough. That, yeah, exactly. That's my thing too. I'm like, even if Hater, even if Hater didn't match, I'd have been like, I don't fucking care because Hater. I love Hater. Yeah. So yeah. But uh, yeah, McAvoy. I'm like, it's fine. But I was like, that was the one jump cut. Everybody else was like, oh, that's really good. That's really good. And McAvoy's like, ooh, there you what? go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that didn't go yeah, right. The trailer like looks like it might be getting into some of the weirder stuff from the novel too, like like the space stuff and all that. Like, yeah. which maybe let's hope it doesn't get into the really weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah. The lots of kids yeah. Let's stuff. not yeah. do that. And like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, it was very obviously written under the influence of the 80s you know like so i'm glad that they're cutting yeah, out a oh lot boy. of stuff from that because goddamn holy shit i've reread that novel recently yeah. and whew. i should i like i haven't read that since like oh it must have been high school it's, when i read it and it, like, it it's so like out there it doesn't hold up does it no hold it up, doesn't though? like no, there are no, there no, are no. bits of it where i'm like oh that's really compelling and then it's like the rest of it is like you've obviously done so much cocaine while writing this. Like holy fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair. I like I said I haven't read it since like high school and like yeah it's yeah. been a while. So let's see other trailers that uh, I was sort of most interested in from San Diego Comic Con. Uh, the Kingsman, which is the sort of prequel to the Kingsman movies. First trailer from that came out. Looks interesting. I'll probably go see it. It's definitely sort of different fare than what we're used to in comic book movies. So. Yep. Yeah, I'm interested. I like the Kingsman movies. We never really talked about them. I think we've talked about talking about them, but never actually talked yeah. about them. But I'm curious to see that. Like, I'm, I don't know if I'll run out and see it in theaters. It's kind of at the same level. I find the Kingsman around the same level as Mission Impossible for me. If people are like, you really should see it on the big screen, I'll go. 
But otherwise, I'm like, eh, Netflix, yeah. I'm totally fine. Yeah. So we did get our first trailer for the Netflix Witcher series with Henry Cavill as Geralt. I, think, I don't think she listens. I don't think you need to hesitate. So yeah. I, think, I don't think it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it looked, honestly, shh, shh. Like I thought it was yeah. okay. Okay, yeah, yeah. That, that's about where I'd yeah. put it too. Like, I think I've come to the conclusion that I only have the a bandwidth for like one major in-depth fantasy world a decade. And like last <laughs> decade, it was like Lord of the Rings, Middle Earth. This decade, it was Westeros. The, you know, 20s, who the fuck knows what it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to be this. I I am on the same page, but I will watch this season now. Like that trailer sold me enough that same I'll here. watch this. Yeah. Because yeah. it's it sold me yeah. on like actually leaning into like magic fantasy, which I've been kind of hoping for. Because mm-hmm. I'm fine with like the Game of Thrones style dancing around magic concept for like five seasons and then leaning into it minus the dragons which were kind of always there yeah this is seems like okay we're gonna like pump the special effects budget and actually do magic and yes i want to see more of that and i want to see more shirtless henry cavill so i will watch it and it is fine (laughs) there was yeah he was looking pretty fucking swole in that trailer yeah he's he's a big fucking man though like he's cut as shit and he's always like pretty his Instagram is basically just like, I am at the gym. I am at the <laughs> yeah. gym. I am at the gym. Oh, also, I am ridiculously uh-huh. handsome and I'm British and charming. So, like, yeah. fuck you, Henry Cavill. Yeah. Basically, fuck you is what I'm trying the to say. The man is a walking thirst trap. And if we we actually get that bathtub oh, yeah. scene that I've been praying for, I'll just be so happy. <laughs> Again, if we th- if this was a gender flipped thing and you guys were talking about women, this would be totally inappropriate. But I. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I love. I have that thought like every week when you start going down this road, and I'm just like, I can't say any of this stuff about anybody. Like, I could be like, yeah, the lead in this, like the female leads, like if I said she's smoking hot, somebody's gonna jump down my throat. But Paul or Christy, mm-hmm. we miss you because right now she'd be screaming at me, right? But they go down their thirst trap, and it's totally fine. You know, it's fine. It's true. Yeah. Uh, have there been any other trailers that have seen at a Comic Con yet that you guys have seen that have really piqued your interest, or? Come on, man. Top Gun? Come on. Top Gun. I, I know you guys don't care. care, but everybody else in the world wants to watch fun Top Gun bullshit, so you guys can whine in your corner, and we'll go watch fun Top Gun bullshit. Except everybody that remembers that Tom Cruise is a fucking yeah. terrible person that supports a, supports a cult that fucking enslaves people. Almost everybody we watch does exactly the same shit, so like... <laughs> I don't know. No, no, no probably not, not. Not so much. Hey man, let me have my action <laughs> movies, you know? Like, you guys always want to take my action movies. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Maybe your action stars should stop being pieces of fucking garbage. That's why you can have The Rock. Because yes. The Rock is a, a genuinely good dude. Yes, he is. All the rest of these guys are like fucking alpha male pieces of shit or crazy, insane yeah. fucking cultists. Fuck. Yeah. Like, no, I totally agree. He's he's a crazy whack job. I just like I'm gonna go. I'm not me not go see it, but I'm gonna watch this movie eventually, and I'll probably yeah. enjoy it because I usually enjoy his crap. I'm gonna so. wait and find out if there's a beach volleyball scene, and if there is not, I will not watch the movie. <laughs> there already <laughs> is in the trailer. You need to watch the trailer. Yeah. It's already uh, in there. Of course, how would they not do a beach volleyball scene? In it? <laughs> Are you out of your goddamn mind? <clears throat> it's going to be basically the Force Awakens, the Top Gun version. Like they're just going to rehash the script of the original Top Gun movie. <laughs> no, they're not. Just because... remake all the scenes. No, they're not because the action hero that's in. Oh, you, you mean that way? Yes, I was going to say because the action hero from the original movie in like is actually going to do shit in. Yeah. You know. 
this one because like Luke didn't do much in the Force Awakens. Mm. He looked grumpy and he turned around. So there's that. <laughs> but like I guarantee you, and we've seen it already, Tom Cruise is gonna get in a fucking plane, even though he's like thirty years too old to be getting into a fucking plane like that. So Yeah, I've already seen like the people on my Facebook that, you know, have like been in the military or have military experience be like, Yeah, there's no way this guy's still in the fucking Air Force yeah. after like thirty something years yeah, yeah. without having advanced. But guys, at all. only yeah. Maverick can do the mission. It's gotta be Maverick yeah. because yeah. Maverick can do the mission. Yep. And that's okay, the plot. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. basically the plot. Come on, man. A magical, magical white yeah. dude. Oh, because it's a really old plane. <laughs> and it's like only Maverick has the the memory to, to do the mission with this yeah. old plane because it's the only plane we have left in yeah. the military. Somehow, I don't know what the fuck. <laughs> I don't know how they justified this movie besides nostalgia, but whatever, it's fine. Whatever. <laughs> uh, any any other trailers that jumped out at you guys or evangelion 3.0 it looks fucking crazy i can't wait to see it i like these movies make no fucking sense and even if you're an evangelion fan they're not really for you they're just kind of fucking weird but i'm gonna watch it anyway so evangelion 3.0 do it all right see another sort of non-trailer news coming out of comic-con this one's kind of cool and goes back to us talking about people that have played superman because brandon routh is going to get another chance in the superman tights so brandon routh who played superman in the optima aligned and rightfully so uh superman returns who is now playing the atom on dc's legends of tomorrow is going to be playing superman again in the upcoming like big multiversal crossover crisis on infinite earths which i'm happy about because i'm i just want him to get another chance to do a better version of superman yeah yeah he was the only thing from that movie i wouldn't have thrown out uh in the garbage so everything else in there i would have yeah i like i I, uh, up until kevin spacey became a garbage person did actually enjoy kevin spacey's performance as lex Luthor. but my problem my problem is like he was just and this is the problem with the movie generally is that he's just doing gene hackman and he's yeah. kind of doing a shitty Gene Hackman. Like, nobody does Gene Hackman like Gene Hackman does Gene Hackman. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Kevin Spacey, whatever. You know, like, I don't even want to talk about him because it'll just become a thing. Oh but he's not fucking Gene Hackman. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, eh. you know what's weird? I actually had to look up who played Lois Lane in that movie because I forgot who it was. Cause I, Kate Bosworth. Kate Bosworth. Yeah. I had, I was like, who the fuck played Lois Lane in that movie? Because, like, yeah. I obviously I remember Margot Kidder, like, right off the bat. And, yeah. Yeah. you know, Amy Adams is Amy Adams, but Kate Bosworth is like, who? And yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I'm glad I like Brandon Routh. I really enjoy him in general in, and I, I thought he was hilarious in Scott Pilgrim. So yeah, I'm glad that he's getting another chance because he deserves it. It'll be interesting to see like how they play it. Like, I don't know, I guess they could potentially play it as though he is, you know, playing that same version of Superman, just from a different earth kind of thing. Uh, you know, with that same costume and everything, or if they just play him yeah. some weird, like off the wall, like crazy alternate universe Superman, like or something like that. Yeah. See, because my question is like, yeah, where does it fit in? I guess is kind of the big question. Mm-hmm. But like, do they have rights to that movie, or like, how does that work? Cause... I mean, it's all DC, right? So it's all and it's all Warner Brothers. So they should all have all have rights to that that material. I guess. Also, from what I understand, the legends are not included in the crossover again this year by their own choice because that writing staff should just be allowed to do acid and write fucking (laughs) bizarre comic book episodes for me but like 
it's I'm wondering if any I mean obviously like most of those people are gonna recognize him. I would hope. I hope they all have that moment where they're like, uh Ray? Yeah. And he's like, No, not really. Yeah. And like shoots up in the air or something like that. Or like I don't know, because like it right now I'm like, how does that gonna fucking work? Cause if they're not even there for him to do that face to face, then what the fuck are we doing? Yeah. So see. What else? Uh in other news of people getting to reprise old roles in Terminator Dark Fate, which we also knew that Oh, what's her name? Linda Hamilton, Hamilton yeah. was going to be reprising her role as Sarah Connor. We now found out that Edward Furlong is going to be reprising his role as John Connor in that movie as well. So I don't know. I mean, this is has the makings of a better Terminator movie than we've had in a long time, I would say. Um, yeah, this is as close as I've been to excited for a Terminator movie. Actually, this is like close. three, I think. Actually, no, like uh, Salvation, I think I was excited for like before it came out. I was like, that one looked good based on like mm. what you saw beforehand. Yeah. And I didn't do a ton of like reading about it. I was like, oh, a Terminator movie with Christian Bale. Like that actually looks interesting. Like they're doing the future. It's all that. That one I yeah. was excited for. T3 I knew looked like shit. It's because you know what? You, you could tell <laughs> T3 was going to be shit because the trailer had a thing at the end where it said PG. And I was like, why the fuck oh, are we making yeah. a Terminator movie that's PG? And then yeah. Arnold walks out with his stupid star sunglasses on after the little strip tease <laughs> thing. And I was like, yep. Yeah. This is the movie they're making. This isn't a Terminator movie anymore. This is Kindergarten Cop starring the Terminator. Good. Good. Ruin the franchise. Sorry. <laughs> Rant. Over. <laughs> the Terminator franchise has been one that has, like, I've had, I've gone hot and cold on for, I yeah. still think my favorite is the original movie. I love Terminator 1, like, as, a, like, the relentless chase down horror movie that it was. Terminator yeah. 2 is like pretty stupid fun but i enjoyed it you know and classic yeah it's a classic the rest of the franchise like sarah connor chronicles was pretty good i wish it had gone on longer all most of the movies since then have been fucking terrible like oh yeah i don't know i i am hoping that like this one did either of you even see genesis i'm I'm curious if either of you actually sat through it yeah see yeah salvation is the last one that i saw yeah so i've seen them all and uh yeah genesis was bad so i'm i'm curious about this one but i'm real like at this point i kind of just want them to kill this franchise like just fucking leave it alone like it's over yeah we killed it and then we had the matrix after too so like all right yeah (laughs) we start doing another one of so And then we'll get to this when we eventually do our Stranger Things episode. But then I did really appreciate the homage to classic Terminator and in season three of Stranger Things. That was nice. All right. In news, we're talking about things that probably should have died a long time ago. This is maybe something that has also seen its time. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to end uh, not after its current season, but after its next season, which will be its seven. And I, I think it's time for this to go. It had its time. It had its peak. As we've talked about several times on the podcast, right around Winter Soldier, where uh, sort of Shield blows up, and then they're all kind of on the run. And that was season two. That was like five yeah, seasons ago. Season I was legitimately thinking exactly <laughs> the same thing, Paul. I was like, "Yeah, that was the season two, man. It's just seven seasons later. What are we still doing?" Here? But you know what? I know it's got its audience. Like, I know there's a fan base for this show because I, I subscribed to the subreddit while I watched it, mm. and I never unsubscribed. It's like I see the people posting and they still think they have are more vocal about these people like the shield people being in the movies than the Netflix guys are. I'm like, <laughs> at least the Netflix guys can say like one of those fuckers is Daredevil. You know what I mean? Like a legit comic book character who should probably be in a movie. Why are you arguing about 
you're like Agent Coulson showing back up. Like it's it's over. I do think Coulson needs to show back up in the movies, and besides in a fucking flashback. But they never should have resurrected him in the first yeah. place. It was such a dumb, dumb, dumb story decision. But anyway, besides that, like quake and like the only ones that i i might like to see in like a cameo would be like fitz and simmons would be kind of fun to see show up as like you know wonderkin or like you know tech background background yeah yeah shield agents or whatever like on the helicarrier yeah and uh in may i think it'd be kind of cool to see pop up in a movie at some point yeah i don't i don't know if it's gonna happen if they're not putting charlie cox in a movie i don't care about any of these people so <laughs> well i mean if they do like a shield or or like a sword kind of movie or something like that yeah. it's like fury and hill focused then it would make yeah. sense to bring some of these characters in because you know th- there's obviously a lot of history between those so but yeah i'm i'm not gonna miss it when it goes away i haven't even started watching the sixth season yet but i'm i'm pretty right. far behind on a lot of those sort of more procedural kind of middle of the pack comic book shows at this point anyways yeah. Yeah. yeah, I gave up on at the beginning of season three, and I don't plan on picking it up again. So yeah, yeah, it was Inhumans that lost me when they started that shit. I was like, all right, I'm not doing, I'm not going down this road again. You got me in the '90s, Marvel. I'm not doing this again. <laughs> so no, you got me with Jay Lee pencils in the '90s. You're not yeah. getting me again. Yeah. And last thing I had because it's sort of tough one to talk about. We don't talk too much about anime on this podcast, and when we do, it's usually Mark. We make fun of him. But there was. Wait, why do we make fun of me? Or not Mark yeah. Paul? God damn it! <sighs> That's what happens when I let my mouth go ahead of my brain. Yeah. But there was a pretty tragic event at an animation studio. Kyoto Animation in Japan had a basically was set fire to. It was a case of arson and like 33 people died and a lot of others were injured in that fire. So that is shitty, even though we're not, you know, or Mark and I are not big uh, anime people. That is still shitty to see that happen to somebody's fandom. uh, And obviously all the people that, that uh, lost their lives. And like, those are my people. Those are all illustrators that are working in like an animation studio. You know what I mean? So yeah, like those are just boring people like me sitting at a tablet all day. Uh, this fucking Ooh, psychopath know. said that they stole his idea for a novel or something like that, and then decided to set fire to the entire building, killing 33 people. KyoAni is, like, one of the most consistently good anime studios. It's a huge, huge yeah. loss for anime in general. They're responsible for a lot of uh, series. I think their most popular right now is Free Eternal Summer, which is about, like, a boy swimming team in uh, high school, but, like, it's a uh, yeah, it's a it's a cute slice oh, of life <laughs> anime, but like they they had a, a movie yeah. uh, set to come out and they obviously canceled that because their staff is decimated. It's just like like yeah. luckily the man who who started the fire got his comeuppance right away. He was severely burned while he was attacking the place and then got picked up by the police, so he's still alive to face justice. But mm. it's just like what the fuck. What the fuck? So don't be this this shitty fan, shitty creator is sort of the lesson <laughs> yeah. here, I think. Because, yeah. It's, it, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that was everything that I had, unless you guys had anything to add. Mm. There's a lot of news. It's probably going to be pretty heavy next week as well, since we are like right in the middle of Comic-Con right now. Yeah, because like we just we didn't even talk about Veronica Mars. Just oh, yeah, that, that was just out of nowhere. So. Uh, Veronica Mars was the fourth season, which... I guess, well, Mark's into it. I'm not so much, but the uh, fourth season just 
just randomly dropped today out of nowhere uh, earlier than it was expected to on Hulu in the US and Crave in Canada. Yeah, I read the article. It was like Rob Thomas was on stage at SDCC and basically said that we're giving it to everybody a week early because it's supposed to come out mm-hmm. next Friday. And I, that was what I had planned. But hey, guess what? It's out today. I watched the first episode. I'm in. Like, I, I love Veronica Mars. I love Kristen Bell. So I was kind of sold from the start. Like, I was the target mm-hmm. audience for this. But yeah, I had a good time with the first episode. I'm dying to get into the next seven. So mm-hmm. cool. I'll have more to talk about next week, I'm sure. <laughs> nice. All right. Well, in that case, we can move on to our Geek of the Week. Geek, geek, geek of the Week. Week. <laughs> uh, so this is our segment where we talk about the nerdiest, geekiest things that we've done in the past week or so. Let's go first to Paul. What's your Geek of the Week? Okay. So um, I was like kind of lukewarm on Bloodstained last week, I guess. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm kind of enjoying it, whatever. Then I like hit my stride in it and i have now beaten the game twice 100 percent. and i've collected all of the shards and leveled them up i've done everything in that game completely cleared it out like i don't know what yeah paul got a platinum this week that was your first one wasn't it no it's not my first platinum but it was definitely my first one in a long time and god damn i don't know why i i guess i was just really craving egovania games like it's almost made you want to like go download and emulate like Order of Ecclesia or a Harmony of Dissonance or something like that. Like just really fun to play. And it, like it, it's, there's just something satisfying about the way you can collect items in that game. I don't know. It was a nice distraction from my I've got my summer vacation finally coming up. So it's kind of taken my mind off of the stress of work so I can like ease into my vacation time. So yeah, that was yeah. my geek for the week. I also cleared, I mean, I, I think we talked about it last week. I had actually beaten it. I was much more lukewarm on it on my first run through. I might, I think because I was playing it on my laptop and I'm very distracted by other things. I need to sit down with it again and kind of give it its just due. But yeah, I was a little bit more lukewarm by the time I got to the end. Whereas I was probably a little bit more glowing when it started because it felt, it feels nice, but I just felt very unsatisfied by the end. Mm. Anyway. All right. I, and I had the opposite reaction. So yeah, it's yeah, with, right. it, to each their own. But now you've played it twice. I got to go off the go. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So. Cool. Yeah, for sure. Mark, how about you? What was your Geek of the Week? So I have this piece in progress I'm working on, on my new fancy Cintiq, that I will be posting probably this week. You've probably been seeing me post stuff if you're on Facebook friends with me. I know I'm super locked down. It's hard to see. I should post them to the actual yeah. page too. Sure, if some I'm sure. going to be talking about them. And I will post this one. But like, so what I did, like Paul, we were talking about it in our group chat, but I, some point in my 20s, drew this giant print that I thought was a good idea at the time of like the Dinobots fighting Devastator. And I saw it. I don't know how I saw it, but I saw it again and was like, dear fucking Jesus, that is the worst thing I've ever seen in my life. So now that I'm kind of working in a new style and working on the Cintiq, I was like, I'm going to redux this. Like, I'm going to do like, that was 20, I don't even know what year that was, like 2005 or something like that. I'm going to do the 2019 version of it. So I'm like halfway through getting all these Dinobots drawn and shit, but it's crazy how much faster I am on this fucking tablet. And I love it so much. So my geek of the week is just that I've been spending a lot of time drawing random stuff that the guys are seeing. And like, it's on my Instagram and Facebook and you can go on my DeviantArt and find it. Like it is getting posted in places again, but you should be seeing a lot more of it. You still use DeviantArt? It's just there. And I still have all my reference contacts mm. in there. Like, so I use all my photo reference people are like, I contact them through that site and they don't go anywhere else really. So I just stay there just so that I have access to models mm. basically at this point. So cool. But yeah, so like out of getting this giant devastator piece will be yeah, share hopefully it. done this weekend. Share yeah, it. I'll put it in the I'll put it in the page when I get it done. It's 
it's kind of a monster. The guys have seen half, like, well, they saw the big two figures in there, so they've seen the Grimlock and Devastator that are done, and they'll see the rest of it as I kind of finish them up. But they've seen the bits, and it's like, I'm going crazy with detail now, I think. So, yeah, it's it's fun. I'm having a good time. Nice. So, Mikey of the Week is directly related to our meet of the episode. Uh, this past weekend was the Southern Fried Gaming Expo, which is a three-day video gaming, mostly arcade gaming uh, expo in Atlanta where people bring in, you know, cabinets from their home collections from like arcades that they own or whatever, that kind of thing. And they just set them up for people to free play. You go in, you pay, you know, X number of dollars. And then uh, I just went on Saturday. So I just went for one day of the three. And then they have like, like panels and stuff like that as well with like professional gamers or like game like designers and shit like that. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. They've got like a fucking huge board gaming section and stuff tabletop gaming that's not exactly my thing but all kinds of crazy shit you know stuff you'd never ever see anywhere else and people come in that have made like fucking prototype games and shit like that that they're just putting out for people to see there's like indie gamers that will come and just have their games set up for you to sort of try out in the hopes that you'll try them and support them or whatever you know like help kickstart their game or some shit like that and so i did some of that kind of stuff too and I got to play some new, like brand new, like pinball games because pinball is kind of having a moment right now. Where so there was like a, an Oktoberfest themed game that was a lot of fun. There's a Munsters themed game, a Willy Wonka game that have all like just come out recently. So I was there for like I don't know six or seven hours straight, just nothing but fucking playing arcade games and shit. So a lot of fun. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Nice. Yeah. So that leads directly into our. Meat of the episode. Quarter eating meat. <laughs> so this week on the podcast, uh, this is a topic that we, I think we teased doing a while ago, but this was right around the time where uh, Christy dropped on us that she was going to have to leave the podcast. So we sort of had to shift gears kind of quick, but we are going to be talking about arcade gaming this week. So this is kind of going to be different than what we've been doing recently. A lot of, you know, reviews and that sort of thing. This is back to sort of one of those discussions about kind of a a medium in general and especially arcades and arcade games definitely do seem to be having sort of a a moment right now there's you know everywhere you look there's like new like retro arcades opening up arcade bars that kind of thing these gaming expos are getting bigger and bigger and bigger every year so i thought it'd be cool for us just to talk about sort of each of our personal experiences with arcade gaming over the years so first off in terms of like each of our sort of histories with arcade gaming, what are your earliest memories of playing arcade games back in the like 80s, 90s kind of thing? Mark? Mostly just like random arcade machines at like 7-Elevens and like hotel and <laughs> restaurant lobbies and that kind of stuff. Um, our parents were always kind of weird with vid- like, at least when I was young, young, our parents were a little weird with video games. They eventually gave up and just kind of sneer at them. But so like, but dad saw the utility in them a lot of the time. So it became that thing. Keeping you distracted. Yeah, kind of. So like if we were out for a thing, like that would be the distraction. But like mom worked nights, right? Like mom's a nurse, so she worked nights. So like getting us out of the house would be key on the weekends for dad, <laughs> kind of like as a parenting thing. And he realized that like it's a super easy sell to get Paul and I to be like, yeah, we'll go spend 10 bucks in Niagara roll Falls. Quarters. Yeah. Roll quarters. And go fucking crazy. And like they used to have a giant arcade in the bottom of the Skyline Tower in Niagara mm-hmm. Falls. So he would drive us out to the falls. And we would spend like 30 bucks on fucking video games for kind of an afternoon, yeah. right? 
and just to get out of the house so mom could sleep. And that's basically like, yeah, we did most of our early like arcade gaming because dad was trying to get us the fuck out of the house, basically. Yeah. <laughs> so nice, nice, Paul. I kind of remember the Skyline Tower because I think uh, you know I was younger than you, so my memory's a little bit hazier on that one. Yeah. But I certainly remember going to Tropa Golf, which was a yes. basement mini golf place at the Fairview Mall in St. Catharines. Um, that also had an. Yep. This sounds like somewhere somebody goes to get like yeah. touched. It honestly, <laughs> mini golf. It, it, honestly, <laughs> you know what? I never thought about that because we're not pretty enough to get molested. You know, yeah, you know, we were, we were only children. Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, but like, <laughs> so like we weren't getting molested or anything. Like nobody was looking at us. I don't think. At least I never noticed anybody. There were usually there was security wandering through there every once in a while. But I think I don't actually have any memory of anything except for Street Fighter. Yeah, happens, Street Fighter. Honestly, yeah. and we spent a lot of time there. So if I was a predator. I would have been there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it's totally the place where you would go to. Like, mm. yeah, yeah, that's creepy. But some like, dude in the back with like tinted glasses is yeah. just like got one hand in his pocket constantly or something. But shit. like I said, like I'm not pretty, and like by the time we were doing this, I was like 13, 14. I was already six feet tall. So I was like, <laughs> whatever, man. I don't play Street Fighter. I'm watching out for my little brother. So yeah, I was playing with the six foot tall yeah, kid. It you know, with like, me, so. I was, yeah, I don't think there were, there were no incidents and or any problems. I just remember getting really angry at various arcade machines. Yeah, because, yeah. You know, they really liked cranking the difficulty on all the machines in that that place. Though I I, I remember going yeah. back a little bit later and being like, these are all cranked to like very high. Because holy shit, these Street Fighter is that something you can do yeah. on on fucking yeah. arcade games? You can crank yeah. up. Oh, so yeah. you can set like Street Fighter to like it's between one and eight stars or one and eight like one yeah. and eight and like. If you really want to piss people off, you set it to eight because that the computer will just cheat and fucking rip you apart on the second fight, basically. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mortal Kombat, same thing. They all have that kind of difficulty. Yeah, like, switch usually in the background because like even Mortal Kombat had you could turn off gore with a switch on the original oh, Mortal Kombat right, right. Uh, cabinet. So well, like it the the difficulty would get harder like as you moved up in the like tier or whatever, right? Like as you moved especially in like Mortal Kombat or something like that, you know, your first fight is easy and then like second one's harder and et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, that's an AI trick. They give you the first one and they basically, the AI shuts off and then they start it on the second one and it just starts tearing you up and you're pumping quarters in, right? So that's what they want you to do. Either way. So for me, my earliest memories of arcade gaming, I spent a lot of time in Port Dover, Ontario as a kid because my grandparents had a cottage there. And in downtown Port Dover, right across the street from like the one of the restaurants that we would go to regularly, the Erie Beach, which is the restaurant at the Erie Beach Hotel, there was a big old arcade that was in like, I don't even know what it was, but it was like one of those sort of things that had these big like garage doors on the yeah. front of it and they would just open them up at the start of the day. So it was kind of, it was open to the air, but it was yeah. covered. We had one of those downtown too, actually in St. Catharines for a little while, yeah. more like when I was in high school, I remember it being there because like Mortal Kombat yeah. 2 and 3 were kind of coming out and that was where we had to go to play it, so. So they probably had like, I don't know, 20, somewhere between like 20 and 30 games or something like that. And some of them were like stuff like air hockey, that kind of thing. But a lot of them were like classic arcade games and pinball and shit like that. So and then besides that, it would be like, yeah, like Mark was talking about, like restaurants that might have a game in like their waiting area or like a pizza parlor where you'd go in, you'd order your pizza, you'd fucking play games until it was ready. That yeah. kind of thing. Like those countertop kind of Pac-Man, games and shit like Pac-Man. that. man yeah yeah or like galaga or those sorts of things and then like hotels that would have like a little arcade just to fucking keep kids occupied oh, you know they have like three or four games or some shit like that and my parents were sick yeah basically yeah. we had exactly the same kind of experience it was like when we were younger like parent mom and dad would take <laughs> us places and we'd stay in hotels and obviously like fuck you do in a hotel room when you're like 10 
wine to go play the video yeah. games that are in the goddamn lobby. So yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's the old roll the quarters trick, right? Like here, here's five bucks. Go take your brother and just go play Street Fighter for an hour and shut the fuck up. <laughs> All right. Yeah, cool. pretty yeah. much. So do you guys have like a favorite type of arcade game to play, whether it's like pinball or fighting games or co-op games or like classic arcade games, anything like that? Paul. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, my uh, taste in video games has changed over the years. Like when I was younger, I definitely was all about Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, like with the odd, like Galaga centipede Pac-Man classic thrown in. Now that I've been, you know, here in Korea, like there's a definitely a different emphasis on different kinds of games. Like there's definitely classic gaming, but the kind of classic game that you can play at an arcade here is kind of different. Like you won't see as much like classic Atari stuff like Galaga mm-hmm. Centipede. You'll see like Metal Slug or I don't know, like an old uh, Bubble Bobble and Bubble Bobble like that. stuff. Like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's a big thing. So nowadays, like, I'll go to rhythm action games. I really like Taiko Drum Master, mm-hmm. Dance Dance Revolution, Pump It Up. Isn't uh, that uh, Jew Beat or whatever, isn't that a Korean game? Uh, yes. But... It's, it's like a, a four, by, 4 by 4 grid where you have to, like, hit the buttons as they light up. Yeah, there's a lot. Oh, man, there's so many new rhythm action games that people play. Like, when we talk about my experience in Japan, oh, my God, these people are like, <laughs> it's something else. But yeah. <laughs> I have not achieved that level of mastery of rhythm action games, so I'm not that good at them. <laughs> like, I just <laughs> I just enjoy playing Taiko Drum Master because it's, like, a way to, I don't know, get your aggression out, listen to some, like, pretty fun J-pop or K-pop or whatever, and whatever. So, but back in the day, I was, I was definitely more fighting game oriented, but I think I'm mm-hmm. just so used to playing fighting games with a controller now that playing on an arcade stick is weird to me, almost. So yeah, it's, it's, so it's kind of jarring and tough to tough to get around. And they're not they're not as responsive as like playing on a controller, especially like that's well, that's one of the weird things about arcade gaming is that every cabinet's a little bit different, right? Like if you've got a cabinet that's gotten a lot of love over the years, then like the sticks or the buttons might be a little looser or, yeah. or tighter or sticky or whatever compared to. Yeah, there was a yeah. I had a, a Marvel versus Capcom 2 machine that stayed at my movie theater like the entire time I worked there, like it was just there it, forever. And um, like that machine was, that was my machine. I fucking loved that version of Marvel vs. Capcom. It's, it's Marvel vs. Capcom 2, mm. I said, right? Yeah. But like we beat the shit out of that machine because if like six or seven of us were MVC players, like on the theater staff. So we would go in at the end of the mm. night and just like, all right, who's got like open the fucking key? Like we had the key to open it. So we'd be like, free play. Yeah. <laughs> Sit there and just play Marvel vs. <laughs> Capcom while we were waiting for everybody to clear out and stuff. But Oh boy, yeah, that machine at the end. I was like, the guy offered me to sell it, like to sell it to me for five hundred bucks, and I was like, no, because like I know what it's been through. I know, yeah, <laughs> yeah I know what I've done. Yeah. This like I kicked that machine so fucking hard, it's almost tipped over. Like, <laughs> so yeah, no, <laughs> I don't want it. But now I regret it because I'm like, I kind of wanted that machine. But either way, yeah. yeah. Mark, what is your favorite type of game to play and, and give us a favorite from that uh, that particular genre? So I actually kind of like divvy it up in three categories. I have three categories that I love going for. So Paul's talked about okay. fighting. Fighting is still kind of my go-to and that started way back with Street Fighter and Paul kind of thing like when we were playing Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter 2 Turbo and mm. all that kind of stuff. I did a little bit of when I started going to Fan Expo, I went on my own. Paul didn't come with me. I didn't have my con buddy yet. So what I did to kind of like meet people was go to tons and tons of 
panels, but I also did Street Fighter tournaments because it was just a way to sit down and play something and get to know the mm. guys around you. So Street Fighter has always been one of those games that I is one is the my my go to fighting game. Although like at this point, I play everything and it's all console based. And like like Paul, I do kind of play with a controller. Although I still prefer a stick. And we were Paul and I were talking about that since he's moving here. I was like, we should get sticks and like learn Street Fighter proper. And he was like, I haven't played with a stick in so long. And I was like, I'm so disappointed in you, especially living in Korea. You think there'd be arcades where you could practice, but all right, you but lazy. They don't play. Fine. They don't play Street Fighter here. This is a sad. Uh, the, the only fighting game that you'll normally see here in Korea is Tekken. Tekken? Tekken. Yeah. Tekken, Tekken, really? Interesting. Yeah. Not, not even Dragon um, Ball? I thought Dragon Ball would be big over there, too. That's all console. Every like oh, um, right. Everyone plays PC. Like They're all on Steam here in Korea yeah. because console gaming was not a thing for a really long time here. So like, like the Famicom existed and stuff like that, but like Korea didn't modernize until you know like the late 90s, like mid to late 90s, and they started... Arcades are still a big thing here, mm. but... The, the way the things that they choose to play in arcades is definitely like its own experience. Um, right, and cool. a lot of their arcade games still like are like throwing basketballs and shooting air rifles and stuff like that too. So like they'll okay. right next to the arcade cabinets, they'll have darts and stuff like that. So yeah. Fair enough. So like, I'll still go to a, for a fighting game. Uh, the other one, like especially back in the day, the old side scrolling beat em ups, which is something now you can just play on the consoles. They have versions of them, but like those old X Men, uh, like the Konami games. So X Men, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Simpsons. Yeah. Like we spent tons of time on those. I, I the first one I thought of was Final Fight, but like really, I that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game was like seminal to my existence. Yeah. When I was a kid. So the the very first uh, the very first yeah. one yeah yeah I actually played yeah. through Final Fight all the way at this expo this past weekend because all the games are set to free play right and I would never have enough fucking quarters to like finish any of yeah. these fucking games because they're just designed to suck your fucking quarters dry yeah and but yeah so I just nobody else was playing it I saw it there I was just like okay I'll just play this for like half an hour and finish the whole fucking hey, thing. beat it yeah beat it in like twenty minutes yeah, exactly. it's like it's not that hard yeah. And then at the end, you find out like, oh yeah, there's there was actually some story to this somehow. Yeah, there was, there was like there's like a screen at the beginning of the game, and then a screen at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just the same fucking story as Double Dragon. Yeah. The girl got kidnapped, beat up all these fucking idiots who kidnapped the girl. Yeah. All right, cool. Like you're a kung fu master, go beat the shit out of these dudes. Nice video games. Yeah, one of the dudes you can play like the big buff dude is her dad, and then one is like her yeah, boyfriend. He's also a pro wrestler. Yeah. Like. <laughs> craziness the mayor who's a former pro wrestler i mean mike hagar love that character in like the mvc games like because he shows up all the yeah. time but so ridiculous that game is i love it final fight but that did happen in real life but it was a governor instead it was a governor it? that's true he looks a <laughs> lot like jesse ventura eh? <laughs> I mean, actually you know what uh kane is the mayor of his hometown too now yeah the guy who played or who does kane in wwe yeah. is the mayor i don't well, know where it is well, shit. <laughs> yeah, he a, yeah, he has like his doctorate in political science too. Or something. He's, a, he's a very smart man. Anyway, so that was fighting games. <laughs> yeah, so fighting games, then like the side scrolling yeah. beat em ups. And then the last one, I love the gimmicky stuff. So, like anything with non traditional stick and button controls. So, like, I like driving games like Daytona where you actually sit in the cockpit yeah. and drive. I love like flight sims and even stuff like going way back to like the old afterburner, just that sliding mm-hmm. cabinet. I love that kind of shit. My absolute favorite though, Silent Scope. I don't know if you guys remember Silent Scope. No. Oh yeah, I, I remember Silent Scope. Fucking loved Silent Scope. So Silent Scope is like it's a two monitor experience, but like the second monitor is racked in a model sniper rifle. Oh so yeah, it's yeah, in the scope. Yeah. So you you can look at the screen and get the wider view, and then get the tight view in the scope. And I, I was just I fucking loved that game. 
it was hard as all hell because it wanted to suck your quarters and it cost like a buck to play for like 30 seconds. Yeah. But yeah. God, did I spend money on silent scope? Cause I just loved it so much. And, it's a, and that's the kind of arcade experience you can't get. Like I can't replicate that at home. Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of thing that now intrigues me, even though I guarantee you, if you put something called silent scope in an arcade. Now, every mother on the planet would be like, what in the fuck is happening here? Get that out. <laughs> no, there's still plenty of those. So. There's, there's new games like that that are coming out that are, yeah yeah there's yeah because i mean i i obviously spend a lot of time in arcades now it's one of the things that i tend to do when i'm uh you know going out traveling for work and yeah i I come across everything from like you know really old school games to brand new shit that i'd never seen before that's like just just coming out in recent years so yeah there's there's still some of that stuff floating around that's cool i just like yeah i miss that kind of stuff that's the one thing about the like not being able to find an arcade to go to that's not a dave and buster's that I kind of regret is like, they don't, I can't find like an old silent scope or even some like that kind of game is what I like about, or like house of the dead and shit like that. Or like, even, yeah. Like even the light gun games, like yeah, lethal enforcers, that kind of thing. If Eric were still on, we were just talking about our old hosts, but if Eric were still on the podcast, we would be talking about house of the dead. Cause like we blew through tons of cash yeah. through those old Sega light gun games back in the day. Yeah. I love that shit. This is the other yeah. one time crisis. Time Time crisis. Crisis. That was a Namco one, right? Yeah. And then there were like all the the Jurassic Park ones, and yeah. the, uh, the the Alien ones, and the Terminator yeah. ones, and shit like that too. Oh no, those yeah. those are those are early, like earlier than that. Yeah, the, yeah, like the Aerosmith ones and that, like the the shooter ones. Yeah, <laughs> the Aerosmith. Yeah, the Aerosmith one. <laughs> That's yeah. so random. Yeah, it's the same company that distributed Mortal Kombat that made all those rev- like Revolution X and the T two like arcade like kind of machine gunner. Wasn't there an Alien and Predator? shooting game side scrolling no it's a side scrolling beat em up right Mm -hmm. so weird yeah Yeah, i remember that too oh yeah Mm. yeah Yeah. there's this one sit down shooter game like you're inside like you sit down in like a car or thing but in korea it's a you're a pirate and you're shooting a cannon like you're in a fucking airplane but you're a pirate in a boat sounds amazing and every once in a while you have a mechanic where you have to spin the pirate ship wheel and stuff like that to turn the boat around (laughs) it doesn't make any fucking sense but it's so much fun to play Uh, like i swear to god if you could come to korea i would take you to this arcade just so you could play that game love it i don't know if you'd fit inside of it but you'd fucking love it mom was making a joke about me going over to korea and teaching and i was like i can't fit in korea like it just legitimately do not fit in korea so like that's not an option for me you know yeah there was a pride so the caribbean game that was kind of like that so this is kind of a tangent but downtown disney at disney world used to have this big four-story arcade called disney quest and they had like a retro arcade that had like old games but the real draw for it was that they had like these at the time like this place fucking opened in like the late 90s or some shit like that but at the time they had like these groundbreaking fucking like games that were super immersive and there was one where you would go in like there was this wraparound screen and you'd go on this little pirate ship and there was like three or four cannons or whatever that you would fire at targets as they came and approached you and you know there was like fucking haunted like pirate skeletons and shit like that so it kind of reminds me of that and there was one like where it was a jungle cruise and you had to like actively paddle beside the boat and i don't know if the paddles actually did anything but you were meant to think that they did like that it actually impacted like what direction you would go or how fast you would go and shit like that it sounds like they're tricking nerds into working out like (laughs) (laughs) yeah well they probably need it so yeah My favorite type of arcade game to play is probably no secret to our listeners. I do like a lot of different kinds, but ultimately it's pinball. 
it is a, another one of those experiences where I can't get it at home. You know, I could sit at home and like bring up Street Fighter, or bring up like Pac-Man or something like that, you know, even on an emulator or on a console or something like that. But I can't get that tactile feeling of a pinball game at home. Like there are video pinball cabinets that you can buy and bring home that, you know, just have a video screen where the, the table would be. And you can load in a bunch of different games, but they're just not the same as like having, you know, those actual like flashing lights and noises and like that, that mix of analog and digital for me is like the satisfaction you get when you hit a really tough shot or when you start like really getting into a good like groove with the game is that's what I really love about pinball. So when you guys move back up here, Tim, I have to bring you to my uncle's house. So my uncle lives up in Newmarket. And he restores pinball machines as a hobby. Oh, awesome. And his entire basement is, there's, the last time I was there was something like 12 or 15 oh, pinball machines. Yes. All of them, like some of them are very, very old, like classic stuff. But he also had like the TNG one, which mm-hmm. I just, I was like, he's leaving that one to me. Like he's already told <laughs> me when he goes, that's my fucking table. And I was like, thank you. I will nice. wipe, rub it with a fucking diaper. You know what I mean? Like I yeah. will, it is, that's my baby now. Like that is my baby. <laughs> So I'm taking that eventually, but nice. yeah, we'll have to go up to my uncle's place and uh, check that out. Because Paul gets home, he's gonna have to go check it out anyway. But, yeah, uh, we'll have to do like a podcast trip or something and let you yeah. guys fondle pinball machines. And, Indeed. Yeah. And the other thing, sort of more recently, that I've started to appreciate about pinball is that you know there's different levels of play. You can just you know play a game and just fuck around kind of thing without really knowing what you're doing and just be like oh cool i hit that ramp but then when you actually start to like if you take you know a couple minutes to like read the little sheet of rules or whatever that's on the game or like just sort of follow the prompts that the game is telling you you start realizing like oh wait it's telling me what it wants me to do right now yeah you know it wants me to hit this ramp or this loop or this target or whatever and if i do that then i'll trigger you know a cool feature like a multi-ball or some shit like that and so once you actually start you know, learning what the machines are telling you to do or the sequence that you need to hit targets and that sort of thing, it becomes, you know, a whole different sort of world of play. In terms of favorites, there's a lot, but the one that always sort of sticks in my mind is one of the earlier ones that I really would always, if I saw it, I was like, I had to play it would be um, that old Adams Family pinball game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, From like the early 90s, like 92, it was a Bally game. Yeah, I think they have one. I think Clothes got one of those. Yeah, it's it's a classic. It's one of those yeah. ones that like every arcade in the early '90s had that fucking yeah. game. I mean, I play. I, even I spent like I don't usually like. I'm not a. I like pinball, but like it's like a, I'm gonna toss my <laughs> last two quarters in it and just kind of stand there for five minutes and then I'm kind of yeah. done. Yeah, it it had like a, a cousin it hand that would come out yeah. and grab the ball and pull it back in. Uh, it had like a target that if you hit Uncle Fester would like have the light bulb in his mouth and it would light up and shit like that. And I, I fucking love this shit out of those like '90s Adams Family movies family. to begin yeah. with. So that was right up my fucking alley. Yeah. See, what? let's just fucking go off for a bit. Talk about some of your other cla- favorite classic arcade games, any genre, regardless. I was thinking about, like, remember Primal Rage? I actually watched a YouTube video about Primal Rage. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. I don't know why. I'm like, it looked terrible. But for some reason, that game stuck in my head when I was a kid more than anything. Because you could never really, like, the console versions all really sucked. Like, the, the arcade experience was, like, the only way to, and it was real bad, too. Like, it wasn't a good game to begin with. But I was just watching them, like, man, they don't do shit like this. Or they didn't, I don't know. It's, they kind of do, but, like, it's such a terrible 90s yeah. aesthetic. Yeah. <laughs> that I'm like, this doesn't exist anymore. So there's, like, this weird appeal to it to me in, like, a super nostalgic way. 
I'm watching this video, I'm like, God, that game was terrible. But just the nostalgia. Yeah. Yeah, but like if somebody put an arcade version of it in front of me and was like, hey man, you want to play Primal Rage for 10 minutes? I'd be like, yeah, I'm going to sit here and play fucking Primal Rage for 10 minutes. Absolute goddamn loot. Yeah. But yeah, you can't do it. It's hard to find. I think so. that it anyway. didn't come out on console on the Jaguar, like the Atari Jaguar. Yeah, Atari. It was, yeah. yeah, it was an Atari Jaguar. In 90. Primal Rage 1, 2 never actually got launched even on the arcades, but like Primal Rage 1 came out on everything. It came out on the Genesis, the Super Nintendo, and I think even a Sega CD version. 3- 3DO, a, PlayStation, Saturn. Yeah, and then a next-gen version happened. Yeah, it was like a, a, a Saturn PS kind of generation version yeah. happened. But also, there is the it does have the oddity of being one of those cross-gen ones where the 3DO and the Jaguar both got versions also. Yeah. It was a real odd duck of a game, yeah. but mm-hmm. it never got properly translated at home, I don't think. I think maybe the Saturn version is or is regarded as the best version, home version, but I think the arcade one's still like the one people want kind right. of thing. But either way, it was just like this ridiculous Mortal Kombat ripoff idea with dinosaurs, and I was like, this is stupid, but yeah, God, it's fun. Like, it's just yeah. fun. <laughs> so. For me, it's been, it was always the Neo Geo fighters. Fatal yeah. Fury, Samurai Showdown, King of Fighters. Those, I played them at home for sure. Like, I had King of Fighters 12 and things like that on my, like, I downloaded as a a PlayStation Plus thing, and like I still enjoy playing them, but like there's something about playing the Neo Geo ones in an arcade. It is super nostalgic for me. I remember like I would always play as the girl in whatever game I was playing. I was always a Chun Li fighter, but in Neo Geo <laughs> games, I was Nakururu from Samurai Showdown or Mai Shiranui from Fatal Fury. Uh, well, King of Fighters, or King too, of yeah. Fighters, yeah, yeah. became like. Yeah, she kind of became like the franchise girl. Yeah, she did yeah, because, of, because of the titties. So, like, yeah, man, <laughs> those bouncing physics in the on the old sprite animations. Yep. You guys, oh my god, that's like, I've, yeah, for sure. So I've still uh, like I still have a lot of nostalgia for that. And there's one 3D fighting game that I don't think I've ever played outside of an arcade. It was called Rival Schools United by Fate. Oh, I remember Rival oh, Schools. Yeah. Dreamcast. Dreamcast. Yeah, I used to, I played that Canada's Wonderland, I think. Yeah. When I was, it, like, didn't feel like doing any rides, I, I would go to the arcade for a little while and, like, take a break from roller coasters, and then I would play Rival Schools. So, yeah, that was, I, I missed that. I wonder if I can get a PC version of that on Steam or something. I don't know if Rival Schools is Capcom, so it's kind of, it might be in one of those collections now. You should, you should yeah, take a look. Because I, I was starting, I was thinking about Power Stone, too, around that yeah. same kind of era. And I haven't played that since then. Yeah, those old arcade games. I love all that old shit, though. So. Well, Paul was talking about those rhythm games earlier. I have a soft spot for DDR, uh, for Dance Dance Revolution. I'm no fucking good at it. Like, every time I see a, see a version of the game and somebody's playing it, I'm like, you're way better than I am. Because you, there are, like, those people that just fucking monopolize it and, like, make you feel like shit for being anything other than perfect at it. But I like playing it when I see it. And Disney World used to have a version, uh, there was an arcade at the end of, basically in the gift shop of Space Mountain, that had a Disney version that had, like, all these Disney fucking songs and shit. Yeah, it had, like, weird deep cut shit, like the Main Street Electrical Parade, which only, like, you know, Disney nerds will know about. There was, that's the song from that, they had a version of that that you could dance to on DDR and shit like that. And I remember back in the day, they, uh, people used to do freestyle dancing to DDR. And there was a pair of girls who did a dance to the Mickey Mouse March remix. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, yeah, I remember that very distinctly for some reason, but yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. And that's another one of those games that like it really plays to that to the genre of arcade gaming, the culture of a space that is dedicated to gaming because there you know, they did sell like home gaming pads, but it was never the same. Like it was either the shitty plastic mat or you had to have this huge fucking metal thing in your house that you know, you'd use like once a week or maybe and then it would just fucking take up space. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad enough having like a kid of rock band drum still sitting around. You yeah. know what I mean? Because like, yeah. we, we will still play every once in a while. Like, yeah. But yeah, I, I sit there looking at them in the corner of my basement. And I'm like, yeah, they take up a lot of room. Jesus Christ, I'm just a child, you know, yeah. just a child. <laughs> so. Yeah. And I do have a soft spot as well for those big like four player ones. Like The Simpsons is the one that always sort of sticks in my mind because it was just so much fun and had like the weird like co-op moves and shit like that that you could do. And it it was another one of those ones that would just eat fucking quarters. But, you know, if you actually did take the time or had like a good group of people to play through with, it was pretty fun. Yeah. It was that one. I remember the X-Men one, Paul and I pumping a lot of time. Oh, yeah. I downloaded that for PlayStation PS4 because I need, yeah, I just needed too. to play it and yeah 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 well, I saw it on the is it on the four yeah just so many Sentinels so. with different yeah. fucking paint jobs oh yeah and then, yeah. And oh, then yeah, there was yeah, yeah. and then there was those dudes that they pulled in from Primal Rage that were like just the random like alligators or dinosaur people or whatever you, you yeah yeah they were the Savage and... Land people yeah <laughs> yeah the Savage Land like mutants or whatever yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that game though I spent we spent a lot of time on yeah, that game did. too because like just like an X Men basically X Men video game that wasn't the shitty nes one that we had oh my god that top yeah. down fucking oh shit that was so bad yeah remember that nightmare yeah <laughs> yeah but like this so this arcade game was these giant sprites that looked like john bernard so we were like yeah. we were all over this shit when we were kids like it was great i remember playing as nightcrawler a lot i was always yeah i was yes. always nightcrawler and you were wolverine yeah well i mean we all had our character i would always try and do wolverine for sure yeah, I was now nah, Wolvie's mine. Yeah. Wolvie was always mine. Did you see um, Ultimate Alliance three came out for Switch yeah. this week? I'm yeah. probably gonna download. Yeah, it. saw that announcement. I'll probably download it eventually. I like the old games, but uh, I heard the it's bad. Like, it wait for a patch because apparently it's performing like dog shit. Yeah. So, <laughs> you guys have any others or? Uh, uh, oh man, I mean, if we could be here all fucking night yeah. if I sat here <laughs> naming off arcade games that I like. <laughs> Cause like I agree with Paul, like I we we played like all those fighting games were games that like we played together. So Samurai Showdown was also stuff that I learned. King of Fighters, I still play King of Fighters on my PlayStation every once in a while. I was even thinking about just like the way that this kind of gaming. I don't even know if I can say it doesn't exist anymore because maybe I just don't see it. But like that arcade experience where like you can sit down with a game for twenty minutes and kind of beat it if you can just kind of play it. Yeah. Or you die real fast. Like I like I miss that kind of experience. Like that's what I kind of go for for games sometimes. Like. I don't necessarily want to sit down and be like, man, like we was talking about Bloodstained and I'm like, I have to remember where I was and I got to remember where this guy that I kind of don't like tells me to go next and like I left it overnight so I don't really remember mm-hmm. and this castle is real big and it's probably three hours to actually get to the point where like I need to be mm-hmm. at. It's intimidating. So I got to have like a nice yeah. session. Yeah. Great. Whereas like these kinds of games, like I can sit down and turn that X-Men game on and I'm done it in 20 yeah. minutes because yeah. you're just ripping through it in free play. And I'm like, I had a fun experience because I got to play as Wolverine and I have to shred a bunch of fuckers. Yeah, and I'm yeah. done. I don't have to think about it anymore. Like, that's the experience that I kind of miss. And maybe I just I need to find games where that kind of thing happens. But I just think the arcade experience is something like even the arcade game experience is something that kind of lacks now. Yeah. Like everything's got this like overarching big you're going to spend 30 hours here. And I'm like, I don't want to do that yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah, that that is definitely something I like about arcade games is that it is definitely a more casual gaming environment for the most part mm-hmm. where, yeah, you yeah. can just sit down on something and fuck around on it for 
five minutes for half an hour for as long as you want kind of thing. Yeah, it kind of goes both ways. It's either more casual or more extreme for the people who are like yeah, really into it. Really into it. Like yeah. when we talk about and like we're both sides, yeah. right? Like we are both sides. Like we like we're both we're kind of hardcore fighting guys. Like I've done tournaments and that kind of stuff. So like I'm into the Street Fighter scene a little bit more than most people would be. And like yeah, at the same time, like I suck at Daytona, but I'll sit there and fucking play it for all like three hours if you let me free play it because I love that game. Ooh. So yeah, the other one I want to shout out because it's always one of the ones that jumps into my head when I ta- think about old arcade games that I have a not- lot of nostalgia for is Rampage. Yeah. Oh yeah, just, it was so fucking like weird and offbeat and just fun and had a like fun sense of humor. You know, you could like fucking just eat dudes and if you ate dynamite or shit, you'd then like burp fire for a while and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, that was always always a blast. It was another fucking straight up quarter eater, but at least I didn't feel bad pumping quarters into that thing. There's this one really weird game here in Korea and Japan that I. Don't know if you guys have it in North America. It's very, very Japanese. And it's called Bishibashi Tower. And what it's a, just a series of WarioWare style mini games where you're slapping three different colored buttons. And <laughs> eventually there's a timed hit that you have for your special yellow button to get a bonus. And you're just going up the tower, playing through all these mini games that are like, some of them are like, you have to catch a sushi roll with your two fingers or something like that and see how many you can catch <laughs> it's so fucking weird but it is easily the one that most people gravitate to what because it's so easy to just pick up and play yeah it's got that casual gamer appeal and it's very funny and irreverent and just dumb there's a mini game where you're playing as like a cute anime girl and you're eating as much ice cream as you can or shaved ice i guess with the fruit syrup on top it's just mm-hmm. like but it's so much fun it's like I'm that does not, sound. That sounds pretty fucking Japanese. Yeah, I, I'm not doing yeah. it any justice by describing it. It's definitely a, an experience you have to sit down and have, but it is definitely a yeah. lot of fun to play. All right, well, let's move on then. So one of the things with the resurgence of games now, and even back in the day, was you know there are different ways that you can arcade play. You know, we've talked about like games that just fucking straight up e quarters. You just have to keep pumping into phrasing. Mm-hmm. Just you know, there's places like the gaming expo is that last weekend where it's just straight up free play. You play like a flat rate, or something like that to play, or like by the hour that kind of thing. Like, do you guys have a preferred? mode of play in that way mark i mean obviously i don't want to pay so free play would be ideal (laughs) but i mean like i like that kind of scenario because i can just kind of play the game as long as i want to and not really worry about like how much money i'm fucking pouring into it at the same time there is like a puristy side (laughs) of me who's like i used to wander around with like 10 bucks and fucking quarters stuffed in my goddamn pocket you know what i mean so that i could play street fighter for like an hour desperately trying to fish them out before the fucking continue countdown yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh no, because you were racking those fuckers up because like you had to make sure your machine was reserved. Okay, this is the nineties, yeah. right? Yeah, remember? you had like, them up. Yeah, yeah, you had them up on the screen. Yeah, yeah. So like you had like I, I'd always have like at least three rounds up because I was I was just gonna play one fucking set of Street Fighter. I'm gonna stand there for a yeah. while. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. So I kind of go back and forth where I'm like the the quarter idea is like the nostalgia of it I enjoy, yeah. but like actually putting money into a video game to play like that, I'm like no, I don't like paying money for anything anymore. <laughs> so yeah, for me, yeah. Uh, like I like the. I love obviously free play sounds great and all, but there is something about like the tactile feeling of successfully getting your quarter into the machine, like that little that slide <laughs> in and yeah. clunk sound that you get when it actually works properly instead of like rolling back out because the machine didn't register it properly. Yeah, all those fancy Canadian quarters that we would get that have like the special decorations that were just slightly off. Yeah, yeah. Fuck up the arcade yeah. machines that was used to drive me yeah. crazy. Yeah. 
Yeah. I remember going to an arcade and getting a whole roll of like special quarters and just being like, my whole fucking afternoon is ruined. Yeah, Thank it's you. not going like, to work. Yeah. <laughs> these are not going to work properly because they're slightly off weight. So the machines are spitting them out. And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. I have a whole roll of these. This is a whole new roll. I don't care that this thing has a fucking poppy on it. I just want to yeah, play yeah, the game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just want to play more combat. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Sometimes you would, there is a way to like, push it down with the, just the right amount of force to get it, but it was so yeah. touchy, and yeah. you can see the continue yeah. countdown going down, like, oh, fuck, come on, let me get this, and you, <laughs> you just miss it by, like, a second. Ah, yeah. oh my god. Yeah. I wonder if there's, like, a market for, like, an arcade where it, it is, like, free play or, like, flat rate play, but all of the machines, like, take tokens or something like that, and they just give you a cup full of tokens, and then, like, at the end, you just give the tokens you haven't used back because they're useless for anything else kind of thing. Yeah. I think that would actually answer that problem yeah. for me. I think like having to do the like the fuck I need a quarter yeah. shuffle would absolutely like scratch that itch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, scratch that itch properly for yeah. me. So it, like Greater Toronto area of arcade owners, you have a project. <laughs> like even just for a night, there yeah. it is. I'll yeah. come in. I'll hang out. Yeah, I, I also I like places that are like free player, like flat rate kind of pay. Uh, like a barcade where you just go in and, you know, as long as you're drinking or buying food or whatever, then you just play as much as you want. Because in those places, they're making yeah. enough money from you off the drinks and food and shit like that. that It doesn't matter that the games are set to free play. Yeah. yeah. But in places like that, like I've got to play through a lot of those quarter eating games that I either didn't have the time to play or play all the way through or just didn't have enough fucking quarters to play all the way through when i was a kid like i've finished like that x-men game i don't think i'd ever finished until i encountered it in a free play arcade uh mm-hmm. final fight like i said recently i'd never played all the way through that until this expo this past weekend and if i do find it takes off a lot of the frustration too where you're like jesus christ i've fucking like you had three i've spent a dollar just on this one boss or some shit like that yeah yeah oh yeah <laughs> Yeah, those games are brutal yeah. for that, too. Yeah, absolutely. Because there's those unblockable, like, the boss can always counter your moves. Like, you think that you have the boss on the ropes, but then it'll just suddenly hit you and knock you out. Like, that was yeah. bad for the Double Dragon Final Fight. Golden Axe used to do that all the time. Yeah. Like, Golden Axe. Drove me crazy. Oh, Golden Axe, yeah. So you always think of that as a Genesis yeah. game, so, yeah. Yeah, Golden Axe was the game that I bought with my Genesis, because I had to buy, like, the the cheapo Genesis that didn't come with any games. Yeah. And so I bought the cheapest game that they had, which was like the Genesis or like the, the master system collection. Yeah. Yeah. The Sega classics, uh, golden ax, which was like yeah. 10 bucks where yeah. all the other ones were, you know, like 40 or 50 or something like that. Like 30 yeah. or 40. I love golden ax one. Like that's a, that's one of those games I have a weird nostalgia for. Cause it does not play well or look good or do anything like yeah. exciting, but it's just like, nostalgia yeah. like it's pure nostalgia for yeah me is uh cool indeed so yeah cool i mean arcade gaming is definitely sort of having a, a, a moment of resurgence right now do you guys think arcade gaming is ever going to be like but i don't think it's yet as popular as it was in the you know 80s early 90s kind of thing when we were teens kids kind of thing do you think it's going to get back to that point at some stage or is it just going to maybe fizzle out again i think there's like an argument to be made for like the special kind of like those um like what we were talking about like the silent scope kind of idea where it's like an idea you can't mm-hmm. do on a home console i think that kind of arcade gaming is probably going to stick around because like that kind of idea is always too interesting to kind of pass mm-hmm. up in terms of like the arcade being the arcade the way it was in the 80s or 90s i think that's that that's that's steam xbox live yeah. playstation network like i think that's all moved to online now even just like the fighting community 
has like we were, we were all online, right? Like we play Street Fighter online because it's the easiest way to get your high level play guys together, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, do that kind of stuff. So yeah, like I don't, I don't know. I would would it be cool if it did? Yes. There's also the the technology factor. Back then, the best looking games only happened in the arcade because yeah. that's where all the fastest, highest end hardware was. Yeah. Right. That's not even remotely a consideration anymore. Like. Ooh. Did you see Doom Eternal? Like, yeah. Sweet Jesus, these games look amazing. And they're running in 4K and like HDR on your Xbox One X or your PlayStation or whatever. Like, you're not going to take that and put it in the arcade and make me want to go to the arcade and play it instead of sitting in my basement with my 7.1 surround sound and my 65 inch TV. Yeah. Like, it's not going to happen. So, <laughs> fair enough. No, but like, I like, I still like when we talk about going to Warp Arcade and like, yeah, doing like just hanging out and playing video games all night. Like, that sounds like fun. Yeah. Great. But I just don't see this becoming like, more than that yeah. you know what i mean i tend to yeah. agree i think that like i being in korea and having visited japan specifically akihabara that has the big namco six four arcade buildings which if you ever get the chance go do that it's so much fun but the games that attract the biggest crowds are always the rhythm action games because of the form factor right like they you need those yeah. big peripherals in order to play them yeah. and get the authentic experience like the most popular game that I saw last time I was in Tokyo was Mai Mai, which is a rhythm action game where you have a big round touch screen and you're moving your hands and sliding them along the screen to match the arrows on the screen to the rhythm mm. of the music. And there's no way you would want to replicate that at home. It's just, it's big, it's clunky, it's weird, but it's fun yeah. as hell. Like I tried it next to like the fucking my my zombies that were next to me who were getting perfect scores on everything and like memorized the choreography for all of these things like just insane and another thing that they do is they have these player cards that save your high scores and things like that so it's not the kind of one and done experience anymore for a lot of these players like the the hardcore people can keep a record of their experience beyond like having the top score on an arcade machine that just resets if it gets unplugged so yeah. like they have leaderboards that are like national and international on these arcade machines. So I think that when it comes to like, will it ever hit that high of the eighties and nineties? Probably not, but like there is still a market for it. And you can see that in Asia particularly. And if like those kinds of games could catch on as well in North America, then maybe there would be more of a resurgence, but like those games are, some people just are too shy to play them in public. So yeah, yeah. they don't want to try because they don't want to fail. Because you see these people who put in like hours and hours and they do everything so perfectly that it's like, well, shit. I mean, like as the arrows are going past the screen and everything is like red, fail, 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 fail. You're like, yeah. okay, <laughs> this is maybe not for me. <laughs> but you have to start somewhere. Yeah, I find that kind of off-putting as well. Like, especially, you know, you go somewhere and, like, there's people that are just playing game after game after game. And, like, I would feel bad about, like, going up there and just, you know, being a fucking amateur or whatever where they're, like, clearly, like, you know, fucking pros at this kind of thing. So mm -hmm. that does work both ways because it can be fun. I did that in Atlanta, actually, where some guy was talking a lot of shit about how yeah. good he was at Street Fighter Five, And he had beat four guys in a row. And I just sat there watching him. He was pretty good. And he turned and he's like, what do you think? And I'm like, I don't know. I think you're okay. But he's like, fuck you. He's like, you, you think you could take me? And I was like, I don't know. So I just turtled him. Like, I basically just played a super defensive Ryu game. And I smoked him twice. Like, I won two full fights. Like, yeah. whatever. I had to win six rounds or whatever. And he was like, 
you just fucking sharked me, didn't you? I'm like, well, I've been watching you play for half an hour, so I know all your fucking <laughs> tricks. You use the same character over and over again, and like I knew you were super aggressive, so I could turtle block you and just fucking knock you across the room every time you jumped yeah. in at me. So, yeah, I did basically shark you. <laughs> so you should stop talking so much fucking trash. <laughs> Have a good one, bud. And I just walked away. Like, yeah, like he trash talked the guy he beat, and I was like, all right, <laughs> all right. Yeah, in terms of whether it's ever going to be as popular as it was, I don't think so. I think it's evolved at this point. It's definitely making a comeback right now, but I think the key is that young people aren't as engaged with it as they were back when we were playing. You know, like you see people that are playing in like these expos or in a barcade or, or even like a retro arcade or anything like that. You know, the average age is like over 30 kind of thing. Like there's some people in oh, their yeah, 20s. Absolutely. There's like some people that are like bringing their kids kind of thing, but the kids are like, Daddy, I don't get it. I just want to go home and play my Xbox or my Switch or whatever kind of thing. Yeah, just let them bring the Switch. Yeah. <laughs> I think the only way that it could potentially reach the same level of popularity would be if VR continues to catch on the way it is. But even then, that's that's kind of a different beast because there are a lot of like VR exclusive arcades or like arcades that are opening up that have a VR component to them kind of thing. Mm-hmm. That see that falls into the same category to me as like doing the dance uh, like rhythm action games yeah. in public, where I'm like, you're strapping something on where I'm losing all my peripheral vision of all the idiots that are around me now, and I have to look like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, so like I'm not doing that in public. Like that's definitely like I'm curious about VR, very curious, but I'm like maybe I'm gonna wait a couple years and maybe invest a thousand dollars in like a nice oh, VR headset yeah. for my house. You know what I mean? Like a real home one that I can run on my like rig yeah. and stuff. Because like doing that in public. Yeah, that does not yeah. fill me with comfort. <laughs> I don't think I could do it. You know what I mean? Enough, yeah, so. I don't. I don't like to be sense. Like I put my headphones in when I'm walking, but like you lose all sensory. Like yeah. being sensory deprived in public is not something I can handle. Like my anxiety just goes yeah. through the roof, and I would just be like, "What the fuck?" So no, I couldn't. <laughs> I've walked by so many yeah. VR arcades here in Korea. Like they pop up all over the place. I've never yeah. done it. And I, like, I would have to be with people that I really trusted and yeah. all that stuff. Like, I don't know. So we're not doing VR together. <laughs> exactly. you're trying to say. I've only, I've done VR once. It was uh, PlayStation VR. I was at a friend of mine's house. Oh, okay. and, uh, I was already real drunk. It was actually on New Year's this past year. And they invited us over after the party that we were at. So it was sort of after party kind of thing. And they were like, yeah, come over. You can play some VR. And I was like, sure. What the fuck? They were like, we have Beat Saber. I was like, all right, I'm fucking there. And so I got to play Beat Saber and there's a there's a steep fucking learning curve to VR games. And like, I don't think me yeah. playing them at four in the morning, fucking like hammered on Lit hammered on champagne too, yeah. was probably the fucking right introduction because <laughs> you're already kind of, you know, yeah, no. unsteady on your feet or whatever. You know, you're obviously your motor control is not at its peak at that point. So but it's definitely something I'd like to do more of. My issue with it is that I just I hope that yeah. there's more sort of more major properties that get adapted into vr because you know i just it's hard for me to get invested in a property that's just like hey here's this really generic game that you're now supposed to feel immersed in like if it's a world i already give a shit about like i I talked on the podcast a while ago about doing one of the uh, star wars big vr experiences but that was like more than just vr it was super immersive Mm -hmm. and like that was easier for me to get into whereas like you know, and, and I wasn't as conscious as like, yeah, I'm wearing this big fucking clunky helmet and a huge vest and everything. Yeah. And, you know, I'm sitting here just in this sort of 
half-assed world kind yeah. of thing that I don't really give a shit about. That's one of the things I found uh, find about a lot of the even like things like Time Crisis or House of the Dead and stuff like that. Like, yeah, they feel like generic experiences, whereas like. Mm because there's no storyline to them so it's hard to get immersed in them like you're just a cop shooting bad yeah. guys or you're just a cop shooting zombies zombie hunter, zombie hunter random yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh whatever so like um there's no world building so you don't feel super immersed in it like there's some of the experiences got a little better with like better voice acting and like they'll throw in some storyline in the middle of it like that batshit crazy pirate game i was talking about actually has a little bit of a storyline <laughs> to it i guess but like if it were like a Zelda Breath of the Wild style VR thing or a Pokemon VR yeah. or something like that, I'd be like, okay, I'll certainly try that. Nintendo did release a patch for Breath of the Wild and I think also for uh, one of the recent Mario games, the big Switch Mario game. Yeah, Odyssey. Yeah, Odyssey for VR for the Nintendo Labo, like the Labo VR headset. Yeah. Apparently it was not great. Yeah, we talked about, I think us like jokingly talked in chat about Paul getting it so he could play Smash Brothers. Yeah. Because there was a VR patch for Smash too. Yeah, I remember that. Remember we were talking about that? That's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> I watched, like I always, I'm always Digital Foundry guy, so I was watching their video about that and they were like, it's kind of not great, but like it is pretty crazy. Yeah. they're try- even trying it so good on them i guess but so that was basically my take on it but it looked pretty interesting i'm super ca- like fascinated by vr it's just the investment at this point even with the playstation like i'd love to get a vr headset but i'm like it's an extra 500 bucks and like there's really not an experience that's worthwhile i mean there is a batman vr mm-hmm. experience like an arkham game oh yeah yeah or an arkham chunk of content yeah. like an hour or something like that that you could go in and play but like i can't i'm not i can't invest a 500 dollar piece of hardware mm-hmm. and only have like an hour experience to play it with you know what i mean like but it's basically a new console yeah super yeah. limited yeah and there's nothing to play for it so like yeah so i'm like this sucks like i want to support this idea but like you got to give me content on the platform so that i can support the idea and i know they have been putting stuff out but it's all very limited so far still i'm hoping with sony having invested in psvr that like with ps5 coming out there is kind of like a stealth VR aspect to what they're planning for PS5 or like to include a new version of the PSVR headset kind of thing that's a little bit higher end and a little bit more immersive and stuff because of the current one I know doesn't have great screens and stuff like it's hard to play for a long time. Because Sony's never just dropped hardware and decided not to support it in the past like <laughs> No, I completely agree. I, I don't, yeah. that's the argument everybody made when I, VR came out, but I'm saying I'm hoping I get hoping. You. I, so my sort of last question I realize now is probably kind of out of order compared to the others because we've already sort of talked about this throughout the episode, but there obviously is a resurgence right now in new arcades, variations like barcades and gaming expos and stuff like that. So do you guys still enjoy and actively participate in arcade gaming? And if so, sort of in what capacity? Paul, you've already talked a bit about it, so why don't you elaborate? Yeah, so... Living in Korea, arcades and multi-floor arcades are a thing here as well. They're good places to go on dates, actually. You know, like, especially... like something to do. Yeah, not to, like, gender video games or anything, but, like, usually when I hit someone up on Tinder, like, we talk about our interests, and we both like video games. Like, two guys playing video games together is not, like, an unusual thing to see. Yeah, Yeah. so then it's a little safer to date 
openly and so you're you get to like still stand close together and have a little bit of like actual uh, date feeling as opposed to having this kind of like forced awkward interaction yeah well it, like when you go out to dinner or to a coffee shop like if you ever like decided that you wanted to i don't know like you always have to go private when you uh in korea like public displays of affection between even straight people are not that common but they're still safe to do whereas here in korea like I wouldn't say it's unsafe, but it's definitely looked down upon for two guys to like hold hands or anything like that. So like an arcade is a nice place for two guys to hang out and whatever. And plus I get to play video games and hang out with a cute guy. All the better. So when I visited Tokyo, I actively just went to the the Namco buildings by myself and just spent an afternoon there, you know, like just going floor by floor, seeing what was there. And it's still when I go back to Tokyo in September, I'm definitely going to spend a day doing that. So nice. I would say my frequency at the arcade is directly correlated to how much I am getting hit on on Tinder. So there you go. <laughs> Fair enough. Mark, how about you? Um, I'm not as actively like into arcades lately or leaving the house period lately. So there's that too. <laughs> but uh, no, I, I don't. I mean, I like the idea of the arcade and stuff like that and yes it's i've used it for dates and stuff like that has worked in the past and because it is just something fun to do i like like when we've done bachelor parties at them it's kind of sad really but i mean yeah it's fine so (laughs) i think it's better than a strip club to be honest no no i don't i don't i don't agree with that i don't agree with that assessment at all Uh, (laughs) the the tits are all very polygonish yeah 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 not as much fun anyway but like resurgence, maybe, I don't know. I think the way it is right now, where it's kind of a nostalgia fad, I think maybe kind of more where it actually is. I don't see people going, like leaving their home to go play video games as like uh, active pursuit anymore. Regular activity. Yeah. So like, I think if you, if they can figure out a way to keep it marketed towards like, yeah, you're coming out on the weekend to have fun with your friends or whatever, they can stay alive mm-hmm. that way. I don't think relying on like people like switching back from like their PlayStation Xbox kind of experience to an arcade is like a likely thing. So, yeah. So I don't get out as much as I probably would like to and do that kind of stuff. Maybe when you guys are back, we'll get out more, but who knows? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for me, our listeners will know that I do spend quite a bit of time in, uh, in barcades and retro arcades, stuff like that. More in barcades, like when I'm traveling for work and it's in large part, just because, you know, when I'm going to a new city, they're just one of my go-to evening activities. Like, you know, if I don't just want to go to a bar and fucking drink like crazy, I can go there and like have a couple of drinks, but like have something else to keep me engaged. And a lot of the time I'm going to cities where I don't know anybody. So it's not like I can go and be like, Hey, let's hang out and do something. So it's an activity that you can go and do with friends, but that I also am totally comfortable just going and doing on my own. I really like seeing how different places do it differently. You know, there's some places that stick strictly to older games or some places that are just doing entirely newer games. There's some that are a mix of both. There are some places that, you know, are just doing like pinball or just doing some other particular type of game. You know, there are some that have more of those like newer sort of, you know, whatever you want to call it, like a game that's got more more of those like physical elements like that. You know, you can't do at home kind of thing. Yeah, I don't label the gimmick games for some reason. Yeah, so. yeah, the more yeah, the more like gimmicky kind of games. Yeah, I guess. And so, I mean, I I'm probably in an arcade because of the amount that I travel for work, and then I do some around Atlanta as well because there's a few retro arcades or barcades in Atlanta at least once a month on average. Like I said, I've done this gaming expo in Atlanta. This is my third year in a row doing that. 
So yeah, I'm pretty active in it. It's something I, I like to do. It's, it's also something I really like to do just because it's a good disconnect. You know, if I've had like a pretty long day of whether it's travel or driving around or whatever, or if it's on a weekend, it's, it's a good way just to sort of switch your mind off and just become engaged in something and not, you know, have your thoughts drifting off to whatever shitty thing happened at work in the past week kind of thing. Ooh, so, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So listeners, you know, let us know what you think about arcades and that sort of thing. I didn't have any other questions or any anything else to talk about for now about arcades, unless you guys have anything to add before we move on. No, I'm good. Yeah. Cool. Let's move on to our final stingless segment, uh, Geek Cred, where each of us sort of pimp something we've been enjoying lately. Let's go to Paul first. So I have been getting back into Final Fantasy XIV. They've just recently released an expansion pack. What the hell is it called? Storm, Storm something. Blood something. Shadowbringers. Stormblood was the last one. Sorry. So Shadowbringers it continues the story of the Scions. And it's like what, like I was saying before, like Final Fantasy XIV has been dipping into previous Final Fantasies for their boss fights and things like that. So in Stormblood, you got to play Kefka from Final Fantasy VI, who's like the most famous boss besides Sephiroth, I guess, in Final Fantasy history. Yeah. And so now they've been dipping into Final Fantasy VIII, which I think is an interesting choice, because now all of the boss fights and the raids are going to be based around the Guardian forces, like the summon monsters from Final Fantasy VIII. So... So far, it's really awesome, and there's new job classes, and yeah, it's always been like a solid gaming experience, and a lot of people are put off by it because it is online, and it's kind of expensive, you know, it does still have a monthly fee on top of the initial cost of the game, but it's definitely worth it if you, especially if you're a Final Fantasy fan, so go for it. Final Fantasy XIV. Mark, how about you? Mine's a bit of a walk, more than usual, or whatever, (laughs) but go to your local music venue, and buy tickets to a show. So this past week, the Showbox Theater in Seattle was given historic landmark status after like years of fighting and stuff like that. And it's one of those like little venues like like Vancouver lost the Vogue a couple years ago, but like Toronto is lousy with them. We have lots of these nice little venues like Phoenix mm-hmm. and Lee's this, that, Palace. and the other thing, Lee's Palace yeah. and Hopper House and all that kind of stuff. And like, but Seattle was about to lose the Showbox, which is a historic venue where like, Everybody you can name from Seattle played there, but like also like there's performances by Duke Ellington, Muddy Waters, the Ramones happened in that place. Obviously, like the big four from Seattle all kind of got their start in that kind of venue, um, including like Soundgarden, Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains all played that venue for sure. But like also Tad, Mudhoney, Screaming Trees, like a bunch of bands like from that scene all got their start there. And that's how like that kind of scene starts is having those little venues for places to play. And those places are dying. So if you like live music, spend some fucking money and go see a $20 show at Lee's Palace or at the Horseshoe or something because those venues die otherwise and that sucks. Like, I feel real bad for Vancouver having lost the Vogue. That was a fucking venue that you hear about forever, right? Like, everybody played at the Vogue in Vancouver, but now it's gone. Yeah. So that kind of sucks. So I, my geek credit is go buy fucking tickets to a show if you can. Otherwise, there's a Pearl Jam DVD live at the show box. You can see what this tiny little room is and you can see... 2003 Pearl Jam fucking rip it up on a stage in front of 500 people mm-hmm. in that little venue and it's like like club shows Paul and I like go on at length on music episodes about club shows we've been to that are just like yes they're too hot yes they're sweaty yes it's gross but like <laughs> god damn it that experience is like nothing else you ever get if you're a live music fan yeah. so 
spend the money and get into those little venues the next little while to make sure they stick around because it's sad when you hear they're like we we lucked out and the show box gets to stay but like that's not happening that often so mm-hmm. support your music venues guys yeah it's it that's definitely something that i wish that i'd done more of in atlanta but just the money wasn't there was on when i was in grad school and i've sort of yeah. just fallen out of touch with it but yeah it's definitely when i'm back living in toronto i think it's something that uh i mean toronto gets tons of good shows so well yeah plus you'll uh, be there with paul and i who go to shows like fucking like, crackheads <laughs> like we're just brutal, i miss them so, so bad yeah. guys i miss yeah and like he's gonna and, and just imagine how bad he's gonna be jonesing for a couple shows oh my god back, right? so, <laughs> you have no idea yeah jesus yeah. <laughs> fair enough for my geek cred this week, I am going to go with Legion, which is about four episodes into its third and final season right now. The show's fucking bonkers. It's I maintain that it's one of, if not the most unique comic book series on TV at the moment. It's not one of those shows that you can just kind of put on in the background. You definitely have to like sit down and actually pay attention to it. And it deserves like attention visually as well, because... You know, it's it's not like an episode of, you know, Flash or Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or something like that, or even like the Marvel Netflix series where like the visuals aren't, you know, there isn't always something going on visually. Yeah, and this, yeah, yeah. Like there's always something to look at. And there's a lot of hints that if you're not, you know, in terms of what's going on, if you're not looking at it visually, you'll definitely miss story points because they're not actively expositing everything verbally kind of thing. So. Which I like, and then I hate when I'm trying to draw. So I'm like, I agree. Uh, yeah, I, I have to pick and choose when I'm going to watch it for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's not something I can just put on in the background while I'm working. It's something I, you know, put on like when I actually have the time to sit down and pay attention to it. So yeah, yeah, cool. So with that, we will close out. We'll say thank you very much for listening. And if you, you know, have arcade gaming experiences or favorite games or opinions on the recent resurgence in arcades barcades gaming expos that kind of thing by all means let us know you can get at us on facebook where we are probably most active uh, our facebook is facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast you can get at us on twitter which is at drd underscore podcast you can send us an email at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com and if you are not already you can subscribe to our podcast through basically any podcatching app that you may use whether that is stitcher google podcasts or apple podcasts or spotify so with that we will bid you adieu say good night paul good night everyone say good night mark have a good one guys and i am tim have a good night go play some games yeah man waka 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 waka